Well, a big thanks to the two Johnnies for the afternoon entertainment. It is Thursday, November 30th. I'm Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up between now and 7pm, Bernard Jackman previews the weekend's URC action, which includes an Interpro in the West as Connacht host Lencer. Paul Curry will be keeping an eye on Evan Ferguson and Brighton in Europa League action and will reflect on another night of drama involving Manchester United. Maeve DeBurka and Rebecca Cray will be dialing in to preview Ireland's sold-out Women's Nations League fixture at home to Hungary. And we've two tickets to give away for the clash of Galway United women's team and the underdogs. As always, if you want to have your say, you can text us on 51552. Game on on 2FM. Yes. Hello there. Good evening. Welcome along to Game On on 2FM. Paul Curry and Bernard Jackman are in studio. Bernard Jackman, how are you, sir? Great, thanks. Yeah. Good. Paul Curry, keeping well? Yeah, very good. Just keeping an eye on the Brighton game here. 19 minutes gone in that one it is nil all any chances to report? No, no major chances good to see Evan in the in the starting lineup. he's actually up top alongside Joe Pedro that's not something the Zerbi has done a huge man so it'll be interesting to see how that gets on but it seems like in the first 20 minutes AEK are happy enough for Brighton to have the majority of the possession then try to counter attack but no major chances to report but um, interesting to see how Evan gets on and also an Irish name on the bench Shane uh, Lee Cavan a 19 year old oh, Lee Cavan a formula of St. Joseph's Boys in South Dublin, I believe. One for the future. There's I mean, a lot of Irish over there. Incredible. When you think of Andy Moran, who's out on loan at Blackburn at the moment, obviously Evan, Lee, Kavanagh. Um, there's obviously an, a number of other players. Jamie Mullins, who went over from Bowes recently. James Furlong oh, yeah. from Shamrock Rovers. There's a huge contingent of them there. And a lot of that chain is, is down to John Morning, who was the Irish 15s and 16s coach, went to take over as the head of the academy at Brighton. And that's why we have so much Irish there. He actually came back to the FAI and I think he is... Since, since gone. left okay. okay but a lot of his um you know recruits are, are doing very well there happy days okay you're going to keep an eye on that one uh, we are going to chat uh, rugby very shortly but first it is competition time the underdogs are in Galway this saturday it is Galway United women's team against the underdogs saturday night 7:35 p.m. in Eamon DC Park and we have a pair of tickets to give away on the show today and to be in with a chance to win, all you have to do is answer this following question. Evan Ferguson plays for which English club? Is it A, Brighton and Hove Albion or is it B, Accrington Stanley? Text or answer followed by your name, county and email address to 51552 and we will contact the lucky winner at the end of the show. As always, competition terms and conditions apply. See 2fm.ie for details. Game on. Rugby. But it is time to chat rugby. Bernard Jackman, where shall we start? Let us start with tomorrow night's fixture, which sees Munster host Glasgow at 7.35pm in Musgrave Park. New signing, Ollie Yeager, set to make his uh, Munster debut tomorrow. Off the bench against Glasgow Warriors. Are you excited to see him finally line out in the, the red of Munster yeah I think he's a good signing for them obviously um, Stephen Archer is Munster's most capped player after after last Saturday night John Ryan is back um, but both of those are are um, I suppose on their in their last couple of seasons anyway and Oli Yarger is a, a younger younger player who's came through the Irish system went over to New Zealand um, in, uh, ended up in Christchurch and ended up being a a, a very solid player for the Crusaders there was rumours he was trying to become an All Black. That didn't happen, and now he's back and he's Irish qualified, obviously, and uh, gets a chance to to make his debut for Munster tomorrow night. I'm excited by this game, not so much, uh, but Ollie Yager, but Yager, but uh, it's more around Munster Glasgow and and uh, the quality of play 
that we should get 4G surface um, to attacks that are very very strong and Munster I think will will be looking to get five points obviously after after last week a, a very strong performance in the Viva and they've picked a very strong side um, with Alex Nankaville coming in at 12 to accompany Antoine Frisch you know uh, Tom O'Hearn gets another run at 6 which I thought he was very good last weekend uh, Hodnett uh, is uh, playing exceptional rugby um, a dog bowl is, is playing uh, beside Ty Byrne um, John Klein obviously played last week so it's a strong strong Munster side against a, a decent Glasgow side who who um, put Ulster to the sword last weekend Will Munster be coming into this Disappointed they didn't come away with anything from from Leinster in terms of a, a victory, or would it be a case of that was a decent performance given the the starting 15s etc. And then we've we've stuff to work on now for tomorrow. Night. Yeah, I think they have a few regrets. They obviously they played very well. They could have won that game, so uh, which would have been a big scalp for them. But not many teams come to Dublin and get a, a losing bonus point and stay in the game um, as well as they did on paper. You would have felt, or I certainly felt that Leinster. Uh, should have been a lot stronger, um, and it didn't prove to be the case at all. You know, some of these youngsters coming through from from Munster have, had absolutely no fear, and uh, uh, the Casey Crowley halfback combination were were excellent. Um, their pack uh, were more than competitive, and yeah, they're they're in a good place, and and uh, they they lay down a serious marker that they are genuine contenders again this season to retain their own trophy, which. Um, I think we're so used to Leinster being so dominant early in the season mm. um, and obviously they haven't got the silverware over the last couple of years to um, to back that up but that was a big performance by Munster I think in the Viva uh, Jean Klein Jean Ryan and Simon Zebo, Peter Mahoney Jacodona who will not be available for selection due to injury however I mentioned Jean Klein because himself Hodnett and Coombs have signed contract extensions Orgy Snyman is going to be gone at the end of the season was that expected news for you and what do you make of that business overall? Yeah, look, there was always a bit of a fear. Um, I know that John Klein had um, made it clear that he wanted to stay in Munster even after he retired, uh, that he wants to set up a base here. And then I was worried that basically playing for South Africa was going to make that very difficult. Mm. Uh, obviously, it wasn't going to stop him coming back to, to Limerick, but that he wouldn't finish his career there. Um, but I think from a Munster point of view it's the right thing to do to re- reward him um, he's been an unbelievable addition to Munster um, obviously uh, played for Ireland but hadn't been picked for Ireland for a long time so became eligible again to, to represent the country of his birth South Africa went there and won a World Cup and is now back um, available for Munster for the rest of the season but there was a, a risk because he was now non-Irish qualified that they wouldn't be allowed to recontract him um, uh, because every time you every non-Irish qualified player has to uh, the case has to be made to the RFU to sign off on so effectively Munster would have lobbied to be allowed to keep him and the RFU obviously sanctioned that so, so they were able to time down um, and I think it's the right decision I think he, he compliments the likes of um, Tom O'Hearn is playing six this week and, and uh, Edwin Dogbo really, really well. Ty Byrne, um, obviously, can play six or, or second row. So um, they're in a good place with John Klein signing on and obviously it does look like RG Steinman will, will probably go back to South Africa and, mm. and rumours is he's going to play for the Stormers. But there was a lot of clubs who wanted John Klein as well. Um, but it's a good bit of business for Munster time down. Yeah, Jean Klein and Orgy Snyman. Not bad of your young luck coming up through the ranks in Munster to be uh, learning off them. Uh, final one on Munster, Dermot Barron is captain tomorrow night. Do you feel Dermot Barron will be long-term the Munster captain? Well, look at uh, this is a gap now, obviously, with Peter Manny having, having retired. Do they want to kind of go down the route that 
Leinster did when Leo Cullen was captain where you, you kind of pick a captain who's going to be there all the season mm. um, and no disrespect to Dermot Barron I think he's, he's he's playing great rugby but just when you look at the depth chart and the hookers that are above him um, it will be a big push for him to, to push in there so uh, Graham Rountree he, 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 the team played very well last week Graham Rountree obviously knows a lot about him and what he's like off the field and when you look at that team um, there's not a lot of others that are jumping out uh, at you so I think he has it now and it'll be it'll be hard to take it off him OK that is interesting Interesting. That one kicks off uh, tomorrow night in Cork, seven thirty-five Saturday night, live on RT Two Television. You're working on the on the box, Bernard, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, the game um, sold out in the sports ground. Um, Connacht Leinster. Those Connacht Leinster games have been good over the last couple of years. Uh, yeah. Again, both teams like to play. Uh, you have the Scott Fardy, um, you know, Mark Sexton uh, on the coaching staff. Both uh, came true. Well, obviously. Fardy is an Australian, but he uh, he spent a lot of time in Leinster Atlanta, yeah. as a player, um, and there's some other sort of players in the squad who were in the in the Leinster setup, like Sakeen Prendergast, etc. But this Connor team um, have had a great start to the season, new coaching group, um, and would fancy their chances of, of of getting a big scalp. Mm. Um, it's a week out from from Europe. Uh, Leinster went very strong last week. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, Leinster selection in particular. Um, does Leo? Does he and, and Jack Nienabar now who we, who we have to start talking about is he back I saw he's the pictures back, yeah. with him is yeah, he so actually yeah, hands coaching, on coaching this week yeah coaching okay. this week so look at he's probably not going to um, have too much of a say this week but mm. as the weeks go by uh, you'll, st- you'll probably start to see the type of player he likes um, and I think because Leinster weren't really as cohesive as, as Leo and, and, and they would have liked last week there's more of a, str- a chance that they'll They'll go strong again, obviously, to to get them ready for Europe, and obviously, and try and get a win in Connacht because that's that's far from a given. Mm. The return of Mac Hansen can that inspire Connacht as well? Paul Boyle and Dave Heffernan are also available uh, for selection after overcoming injuries. Bundiaki, uh, his return remains on hold, but that's a big boost to have Mac Hansen back in. Yeah, look, Hansen, Hansen when he plays for Connacht, he, he makes things happen, and and the way they play. Um, wingers are so important. Um, they do get a lot of a lot of touches, and and um, whether it's been in in the green of Connacht or the green of Ireland, we've seen Hansen light up games. Um, and yeah, he'll he'll look forward to this. They they do need they do need their more experienced players back mm. uh, to beat Leinster. But having said that, um, Bundyaki has his his game or his jersey has been taken by a young fella called Carl Ford, who's been excellent as well. But Look at you know Bundyaki, uh, one of the best players at the World Cup, would have been a great addition to them. But I, I think, I think Connacht uh, have enough about them to to really throw down a serious challenge, Leinster. What areas will Leinster be looking for improvements from what you saw? Yeah, I look at the other. Their passing was very sloppy, um, and unusually so. But, um, and even some of the players who've been together in the Irish squad, like Jimmy O'Brien, Hugh Keane, and just weren't um, as accurate as they normally are. When they got on the front foot, um, they some of the breakdown work was was poor. And Munster got some big jackal turnovers in in their own twenty two, and obviously defensively um, there was a little bit of confusion um, for the Conor Murray break at the end for the um, uh, for the Craig Casey try. You know Robbie Henshaw and, and Gary Ringo seem to be playing a different system mm. to each other. So you know we know that Nina Barr is a defence coach at heart. We know he he orchestrated that South African defence, which was the best defence um, at both World Cups, both the last two World Cups, Japan and and France. Um, 
but realistically it's going to be very hard to get that right in a week so there may be actually difficulty for Leinster as that new system gets coached and beds in and Connacht have to see that as an advantage to them they know how they want to attack um, and they have to try and ask questions at Leinster defence and make them make decisions um, and see if everyone's on the same page um, talk to me about Leinster out half because Ross Byrne is obviously out with an arm injury um, that keeps him out of Saturday we don't know for definite how long he will be out um, how frustrating is that for Ross because obviously he's looking for a big big performance in blue to hopefully transition into green uh, and it's also then an opportunity for Kieran Frawley I'll be right in saying to yeah, try and I think so him. yeah look at obviously he could go with Harry Byrne or he could go with um, Sam Prendergast and Kieran uh, Frawley could play you know at, in the centre or or, or full back potentially or even beyond the bench as that utility back but I I think Kieran Frawley deserves a chance to start um, he has had an unbelievably bad run of, of luck with injuries over the last three or four years but all the coaches who who worked on there whether it was Lancaster whether it was Joe Schmidt Andy Farrell as well he was in the Ireland training squad for, for most of the summer um, they all see uh, a serious level of ability in him and now he is fit he came off the bench after five minutes against Munster. I thought he had a really good game, um, and I think he he deserves a crack. While Ross is 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 injured, obviously when Ross comes back, he has to be given a shot at it. Um, uh, but for all he has huge upside, and I, I would love to see him play. And if I think he plays, it increases Leicester's chance of winning. As it stands, is he a better out half than Sam Prendergast? Yes, I think he is. He's uh, he's he's proven. He's proven. Mm. Um, but I also think that if he got a run of games in the same position, um, I think he can he, he can uh, become a serious serious player for for Leinster in Ireland. Um, okay, live commentary as well on Radio One Extra as well as TV um, coverage. Uh, fourth against fifth, looking at the table, you would suspect there won't be much to separate Ulster and Edinburgh on Saturday evening at Ravenhill. No, there shouldn't be, but I think it's a must-win game for for Ulster. That sounds really harsh because even six games into the season. Yeah, no, it's 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 basically because of the games that are coming for them. So um, it's far from a crisis or anything like that. They're four from six, but they haven't been as impressive as as Dan McFarland would have liked. Um, they should expect to beat. Edinburgh in Ravenhill and then they go into Europe and then they go into into provincials and then back into Europe so uh, I think it's really important for them that they get a win and a good performance um, to kind of park this first block of the season where they've had to use a lot of players I think mm. they've used 42 players so far so they've had a lot of chopping and changing um, but you'd just like to get that win um, at home with a good performance uh, to I suppose slingshot you into what's a big big five or six weeks for them Okay, Paul Curry, you've listened to the expert there because I believe you're going down to take in a bit of rugby as well. Yeah. You're off to Connacht Lancer. I am. I'm what are you uh, expecting to see tactically? How's how's you know, Leo going well, to set up? It's one of my pals uh, from school, Stag, and uh, you know I was. You'd easy know you went to school in the south side of Dublin. Paul Curry, yeah. one of the one of the senior <laughs> cup schools. Uh, isn't it just like the most embarrassing Stag that we're going to a Leinster game? <laughs> At worst, I'll give Bernard a bit of stick for this time. <laughs> But you're looking forward one. to the, the occasion. I am. I don't know what state I'll be in by that time. Uh, Galway, Galway on, a, uh, on any weekend is, is, a, is a good place for um, an event. Yeah. Mind style, yeah. So you, you'll enjoy it. Well, plenty of sport on Saturday night, as I mentioned. Connacht Leinster and indeed uh, Galway United Women's against the underdogs. Um, gents, I do want to uh, 
chat about another rugby topic that was in the news this week. England captain Owen Farrell will not be available for this season's Six Nations Championship after deciding to take a break from international rugby. In a statement, Farrell's club Saracen said his decision has been made in order to prioritise his and his family's mental well-being. Saracen's added that the 32-year-old Farrell would continue to play for them and captain at the Premiership Club. England head coach Steve Bortwick said everyone at England Rugby is fully behind Owen's decision. The Rugby Players Association said Owen Farrell has the unconditional support of everyone at the RPA. Um, I was horrified to see some a small minority of reaction to this on social media was criticising this decision. I mean, the bravery it must have taken Owen, the captain, captain at what two World Cups as well, a leader, he's been in the spotlight as well before the most uh, previous World Cup given the banning saga yeah. and everything else um, I, I don't know how professional sports people are able to, to cope with, with this Bernard Yeah I think it's, it's interesting I, I didn't see that um, and that's obviously pretty petty by the individuals involved but I actually think it's there's been a, f- a massive swing now and, and uh, now people are talking about what a great player he is and what a great fella he is whereas and journalists as well as that you know it's not just it's not just fans um, he was getting a very hard time and I think it shows you how toxic that England environment became um, he was being booed by sections of the crowd during during at the World Cup I'm right yeah no, absolutely no, like, so that, like, That's... it's horrendous and he like he has been a legend for England and, and um, is as honest as day is long and I think because he comes across as this tough um, aggressive uh, northerner or such people mm. felt you know he's a machine, and and he wouldn't be affected by it, and and he has been affected by it, and like the fact that he's retired from England, or sorry, stepping back from England and still playing for Saracens shows you it's very much a like sometimes you fellas take a break from the game, mm. you know, totally take a break to to kind of reset and 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 recover, but it it shows you it's very England focused, and um it it started under Eddie Jones at the end of, before Eddie Jones got sacked, and then obviously Bortwick's early. Early games weren't um, impressive. Then he had that obviously sending off and and getting off and then getting banned again. Um, but at England, in fairness, they limped kind of through that World Cup until the semi final when they were very close to they lost to Africa by a point. And he was at the heart of of that performance. But the damage was obviously done. Um, it's obviously so toxic, and he and he felt that and and as, and as um, experienced as he is and, and and with all the support he has. He still has had to make that decision, which would have been incredibly hard. And I agree with you; it's a brave decision to make because mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the the easy thing to do is probably just try and keep the head down and, and keep playing. But it's not the right thing either. And I think there's been a big motor watershed, or hopefully there's a watershed in in, in rugby support uh, now with this, this this announcement from from Owen Farrell, but also some of the. Um, comments we've seen from referees and TMOs as well, like Wayne Barnes has, has come out and said, you know, he got threat, death threats and uh, after the uh, the World Cup final, the TMO from that game as well, uh, the same, and that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable, mm. but like, unfortunately, it's it. Thankfully, it's a t- it's a minority, um, but the minority can can make themselves sound like they're a majority because of how active they are and how how vicious they can be um, and yeah it's, and like I think some of the people who are now coming out and praising uh, Owen Farrell probably if they look back through their social media anyway over the last couple of months probably didn't aren't being consistent you know yeah. yeah he's taking well at the moment he's taking a temporary break but um and he'd like to hope that he would come back. I mean, he's he's on the verge of of setting records. Um, Lions tour, yeah, everything, yeah. So like, I think I, I'd like to hope. I I I'd love to 
see him back uh, I think he will come back but um, it's a timely reminder that a lot of the nonsense people talk about rugby values um, if we're not careful uh, you know it sounds like a snobby thing to say but sporting values um, across all sports and, and this is an example of rugby just not living up to what we what we expect from from our yeah. from our our social activities no 100% agreed um, with that I think Keen Tracy um, from the Irish Independent said he was interviewing Owen a couple of weeks ago only and Owen was mentioned about wanting to play for England for as long as possible and never looking forward to it and then in the space of a fortnight he's, mm. he's made that so that, that I think that's really telling that in that sh- short period of time that there's been such a complete change we don't know like what's going on in his personal yeah. life and everything and I think we do have to be mindful of that um, and if this is the kind of watershed moment that there will be supports in place and you'd, you'd like not only in rugby but you'd like to be confident that there are supports in place for, for players both in, in England and in Ireland you know closer to home as well that yeah, look, I think to be good people, there's great people around Owen, but like, and, and his dad being one of them, you know, yeah. being, it, was in the, it was in the public eye. Um, and I remember his dad being very upset about the virtual around that non suspension, if you remember, you yeah, know, uh, and, and spoke about it. A, a circus. Spoke yeah. about it at an Irish press conference. And so he, you know, um, and that must be very hard to see your. Your your son or daughter um, under that kind of pressure and scrutiny and and hatred uh, mm. in places, but there is support, uh, I think. But the reality is that the, there's only so much support that can help if 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 an individual is as high profile as Owen Farrell and getting the abuse they're getting. You know what I mean? Um, the reality is the the best form of support is to actually grow up uh, as supporters and understand. Um, how privileged we are to uh, to follow uh, a sport, no matter what team it is, and have some respect for the people who yeah. who coach or man or, or play it um, or referee it. Um, that's the starting point, you know. And that's the, that's the best form of support I think out there. But at the moment, um, a level of intelligence around that and, and respect, uh, unfortunately, is uh, isn't there. Yeah, sadly lacking in some parts. Um, gents, we do have to take a, a quick ad break. Bernard Jackman, thank you uh, very much. Paul, you're sticking around uh, Brighton. Uh, five points for a try. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, he'll be an expert by the end. I'll, I'll, I'll be throwing a few curveballs at him. Bernard Jackman, thank you. Uh, we are back chatting football. Uh, Paul Curry will feel a bit more comfortable then, I'm sure. <laughs> You're very welcome back to Game On. Nothing seems to want to work here, Paul Carey. got too carried away with myself um, slagging you about going to a Connacht match and now the Gremlins have got into the system. But however, we are back with you. Game On 2FM, Shane Dawson with you, Paul Carey's in studio, Rebecca Cray and Maeve the Burke are both on the line. And we're going to start about chatting about the underdogs. Maeve the Burke, I'm going to come to you first. So the underdogs, uh, it airs this evening. Well, it has been airing for the past while, but a big, big show this evening, half nine on TG Carr. The starting 11 will be revealed for the big match on Saturday, which is Galway United women's team against the underdogs. This is uh, going to be a great occasion, Maeve. Yeah, that's it, Shane. Yeah, tonight's the final episode um, of six will be on at half nine on TG Car. And like you said, yeah, we named the starting 11 for the game on Saturday, which took us quite a while um, to do. I'd say they did a lot of editing to, to narrow that down um, because it took us a long time to kind of make our final selection for the game against Guy United, which um, that will be on telly as well. And it starts at quarter past seven on TG Cahir but yeah really looking forward to it and obviously being a Galway girl as well there'll be um, a bit of more kind of added spice to it for me It's the Maeve the Burke Derby then isn't it? 
<laughs> I don't know. About that. There's actually a few girls who played, um, like there'll be three or four Galway girls um, in the squad as well. They, um, a few that would have played for Galway WSB, like the likes of Shauna Jackson, Eva Walsh, um, Jeff Nolan, Cara Mullins all would have played in the National League with Galway WSB back in the day. So um, there'll be plenty of Galway interest in it, no doubt about that. So for those of us that might have been living under rock, basically the concept is it's been done with, with Gaelic football now, it's being done with uh, association football. Kind of the best players in the country that never made it to be playing international football have come together. You've put them through their tasks, you're out the curry, you're at loads of places, you've whittled down the selection, you've brought the best players in Ireland come together to play a League of Ireland women's Premier Division team. Yeah, that's it, exactly. And, um, you know, we started filming for it back in June. So it's been kind of a six month process, really, for, for the girls and ourselves. And um, you can actually watch that. It is all available um, on the, the TG Tower player as well, just to, to catch up on it. People do want to do that. But, um, yeah, it's it's been a long, long road. Like initially, we had trials. Um, we had so many hundreds of applicants that, that we had to narrow it down before even selecting people to um, call them for trials. And then um, each uh, with each training camp, then we had a three-day um, tra- training camp each month and then at those training camps we um, unfortunately had to eliminate one or two players each time to narrow it down now to our um, final squad of 25 for this weekend. Okay. Have you Were you surprised with the, the standard of, of, of players that, that kind of uh, even trialled out for the games and the standard that you, you've been left with now ahead of the match on Saturday? Definitely. Like initially, um, I suppose the first um, day or two of the trials, it was quite a mixed bag because there were so many players um, of, of mixed standards. But um, as it came down to it, then there really was such a high standard um, of players who, like I said, just they're they're at they're, a lot of them are almost at the standard of, of the national league. It's just maybe either haven't played in a few years for various different reasons, and they obviously all have their own backstory as to why they're essentially underdogs too and a lot of them have been through a lot and um, not only their sporting life but in their personal lives as well that they've kind of overcome a lot of that and they're coming out now I suppose, at the, at the other side of this journey and um, that's all a big part of it as well and um, yeah definitely really really surprised by the standard and uh, hopefully um, a few of the girls um, they may even go on and play um, in the women's premier division you know in the coming years Hopefully. Rebecca Cray, no doubt you've been keeping a close eye. A couple of your former teammates at Whitehall Rangers or current teammates are, are, are possibly lining out depending on the starting eleven revealed tonight. Hey guys, yeah, yeah, no, most definitely I've been, been throwing my eye on it the, the odd few weeks there. But yeah, a few of the girls in, in Tara Berrigan and Charlie Gray and Taylor Massey, there's been a few of them included there and obviously then as uh, as May previously mentioned there, like the Cara Mullins I hadn't seen in a long, long time would have played against Cara and with Cara at underage. Um, level and stuff but um, fantastic incentives you know it's it's great to see and a lot of those girls that are mentioned were, were really are, are still obviously really good footballers so it's it's great to give them this sort of I suppose platform you know to put themselves out there again you know um, I know Cara's probably knocking around my age you know she, she still has it looking at her, at her playing um, so look hopefully look it's something that um, might come from, from after this game now at the weekend that they, they might get a, a step into the, the Premier Division the, the League of Ireland women's yeah, there is. There's been some great stories. Uh, Jenny Claffey, former tennis player, there's been some really, really 
um, interesting tales um, both on and off the pitch okay that is tonight half nine TG Carr the starting 11 is revealed and then the big match on Saturday Eamon DC Park 7.35 get down to uh, Eamon DC Park if you're in uh, the Galway area or as may have said quarter past seven on TG Carr you can watch it um, on the box uh, there is a small matter of Ireland versus Hungary tomorrow in a sold out Tallis Stadium a match you can listen to live commentary here in an extended game on um, Rebecca Ireland are near perfect up to this point and you would suspect that's going to continue come tomorrow evening Yeah you'd like to hope so look they've had a, a great run in the, the Nations League so far um, obviously the previous game that they came up against Hungary in, in September was, was 4-0 you know with, with four different goal scorers in that we, we've seen a really good tight compact kind of defensive line with with you know expansive attacking football going forward so look I'd like to be be hoping we'll be uh ending the, the, the second last game I suppose on a high tomorrow Absolutely Maeve what has impressed you most and what will you be hoping to see tomorrow evening from Ireland in Tala? Goals hopefully uh, <laughs> yeah well that, that's the plan anyway but um, and a clean sheet uh, yeah would be would be great as well just like Rebecca said to keep the kind of momentum going now um, you know before the, the final game against the North and yeah I think uh, I'd love to see some of the you know younger players or less experienced players who've been knocking mm. around there as well and get a bit more game time maybe um, the likes of Hayley Nolan has been in, in and around the squad you know for a while or, or the likes of Jamie Finn and a few few new ones as well like the, the girls the P Mount obviously um, Ellen Dolan and Freya Healy have been called in and they're very young I'd imagine they'd be just around um, the squad just for the experience at, at this early stage but um, it's great to see kind of the younger players going through there really is such a change from the World Cup squad even at this early stage like five of the girls have been dropped that were in um, Australia even the likes of you know Claire Reardon and Amber Barrett from the last squad too um, so I think Eileen is definitely making changes to the squad as we go that is good to see, Paul Curry, isn't it? I suppose the evolution, bringing in these young players and they're just settling in so so easy as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think you need balance within the squad and maybe there was a couple of players within the World Cup squad who are maybe coming towards their, their latter days in their career and I think within any squad it's important that you blood a bit of youth into it. There's not a huge amount of change that you would expect with, with regards to starting eleven. I mean, the the somewhat um, you know regulars are in there and it's just about finding them the right balance around them I said it previously I don't think there's a huge mention you need to do with that squad I think you know when you look at the World Cup and the performances we had under Vera maybe it's just a case of dropping the handbrake a bit and letting people express themselves and play mm. a bit more and I think Eileen has done that really well who the younger players come in and maybe start the European Championships we'll wait and see but I think you know the likes of a, a Caitlin K- Hayes who has come in to the um, Nations League has done really well if you could find another one or two of those types of gems you'd be doing really well because we're not that far off, you know. We're in League B at the moment, and we've shown that we can compete against the the so-called bigger nations. There's probably still a little bit of a gap, but if you find one or two more real quality players, we're certainly getting closer. Yeah, uh, Rebecca, I know if you ask any of the players, or if you ask Eileen herself, and the question has been posed to them about complacency slipping in now as we near the end of uh, the calendar year, with with this considering how well the comp- the, uh, the Nations League campaign has gone so far, they'll say no, not at all. Would you be confident? I suppose that the mindset is there that none of that would be an issue. Yeah, look, I'd like to hope so. I think, you know, there's a good kind of atmosphere throughout the squad now. You know, Eileen's, Eileen's not stupid, you know. She's, she's very much, you know, keep it, keep the feet on the ground kind of kind of person. Obviously, they've done really well so far. Um, but I think, you know, going off previous games, you can, you can never be complacent in, in these kind of circumstances, um, no matter who you're playing, you know. And obviously, I know Ireland are looking, you know, that they're coming out on top in, in this, this league. 
Um, but I, I can't imagine that they're going to go into this with, with anything more than confidence. You know, you, you can't let that complacency creep in. And I think they have a good balance now as well with the experience throughout the squad to know and, and to learn from previous times maybe um, that, look, it, it's not the case. Um, and look, as, as the guy said, look, it, it's great to have that, that youth coming through and, and hopefully we see more of that now in, in the, the next two games, you know, and get a bit of experience, get the girls a bit of experience on the pitch. But um, yeah, look, I'd like to hope it's, it's more confidence they can play see for tomorrow. Certainly would echo those uh, sentiments, Rebecca. Um, nurturing the players coming through in the League of Ireland in Limerick will be Dominic Foley, former Republic of Ireland international. He has been announced as Treaty United uh, Women's Senior Manager. Maeve, is this exactly what Treaty United needed, um, an experienced manager coming in to nurture players coming through? Because it, it certainly was a tough season for Treaty last, last year, or this year even, I should say. It was, yeah, and I think um, Dominic definitely um, fits the role of, from from his CV anyway. Um, you know, he's plenty of international experience both um, as a player and coaching as well and, um, you know, has played obviously at the highest level. So I think someone of his stature is definitely what's needed there in Treaty and obviously um, Kira and Mary, uh, Kira McCormick and Mary Curtin, I, I would have played with them previously and they have great heads on their shoulders. I think they, they've probably made a very prudent um, decision there with, with Dominic, but um, the main that stands out for me I think is that he's been um, appointed in a full-time role so that's huge I think for the, the Women's League of Ireland um, you know to be have a senior manager of a women's team in a full-time capacity um, it's just kind of showing what direction that the game is moving in um, in these kind of uh, years Absolutely Some of the teams he played for Shane Dominic Foley oh, I've just gone down to his Wikipedia Braga, Bowes, Genk, Club Rouge Limerick, Watford <laughs> Notts County <laughs> Like talk uh, about journeyman, yeah. But he, yeah. how many Ireland caps he has? Six, six Ireland caps. Six, yeah. 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 He's he not, come through but, Liverpool, am I correct in saying? Oof, five one five five two. Yeah, I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty certainly did. Um, so yeah, no, it is brilliant to see, <clears throat> and as Maeve alluded to there as well, um, having Kieran McCormick in uh, really good business. Um, Acumen as well, and Mary Curtin down at Treaty United. Uh, Rebecca. Uh, the opposite side of that yes. is Dominic has obviously the experience, whereas Shelburne have gone for an up-and-coming young manager, Owen Wearin, who was over the under-17s last year. And I suppose Shelburne are in a different situation. Perhaps Treaty might need that experience of the kind of nurture the players, whereas Owen Wearin is facilitating a different approach for Shells, would I be right in saying, a player pathway development. Mm, yeah, look, I, I just want to revert back to the two girls down in the tree and Mary Curtin and, and Kerr McConnell. Just commend them on, on their approach so far. I think they're two girls that have been there, you know, through the, the Irish setups and obviously playing in, in Ireland with, with Mary. She, uh, they, they're very much, you know, girls who, who know what, what, what it's about in this country. So they've got great incentive, hopefully, to keep improving, not just football down in Limerick, but, but across the country. And yeah, look, at Shelburne then, obviously, Owen Wearing, he's got an expansive, I suppose. Uh, playing record as well and I think he went to West Ham when he was about 12 he spent about five years there had a you know on and off injuries came home um, obviously played at Bowes Glenavon here then up north and, and has gone across then to the States um, coaching out in Chicago and, and looked after Liverpool's um, American Academy out there as head coach and just in this this year alone he's come back to our under 17 set up where he's done the double with the girls there so Look, he's he's only thirty one, you know, very young and, and determined, really driven, looking, you know, to, to play some exciting football and, and just build that pathway, as you said, you know, we've got great underage setups at the club now. The academy are pushing through some fantastic talents. Um the under seventeens team alone are 
are amazing. You know, watching their football, they train before us. Um, you know, the senior squad on on the weekdays that open the AUL, and you're just watching some of the sessions over the year, and it's fantastic to see. So look, it's exciting to have Owen involved along with, with Rory Kirk, who's been um, the academy uh, coach there with uh, with Shells as well. Who he actually took a few sessions over the course of the summer with with the senior squad. Um, every time I watch them, he's He's really, really good. So it's it's exciting times, you know. It's a fresh approach. Um, two young coaches looking to to you know go at it and, and take it by the scruff of the neck. So yeah, look sure after after Christmas we we'll, we'll find out how how things are going and, and hopefully yeah things keep improving. Michelle. Rory Kirk, Paddy Kirk's brother. Paddy Kirk's brother, indeed. And Owen <laughs> was part of uh, that great Kevin's team that had Jeff Brady or Jeff Brady. Jeff Brady, Jeff, Jeff Hendrick, Hendrick, and Robbie, Robbie Brady. Brady. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and he was also two years younger to me in skill, so it makes me feel very, very old that I'm reporting on a manager in that. So. <laughs> and I'm older than him, which is insane. <laughs> um, listen, Rebecca Cray, thank you very much for taking the call. Maeve the Burkett, thank you as well, and the very best of luck um, on Saturday, as I mentioned, uh, Galway United versus the Underdogs. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, we are giving away two tickets to the not-to-be-missed clash in Eamon DC Park. So, if you want to win a pair of tickets to give away uh, to attend that match, I sh- should say 7.35pm in Eamon DC Park. All you have to do is answer the following question. Evan Ferguson plays for which English club? Is it A, Brighton and Hove Albion, or is it B, Accrington Stanley? Text your answer, followed by your name, county and email address to 51552, and we will contact the lucky winner at the end of the show. As always, competition terms and conditions apply. See 2fm.ie for full details so the question again Evan Ferguson plays for which English club is it A Brighton and Hove Albion or is it B Accrington Stanley Paul before we take a break you've been keeping an eye on Evan Ferguson and Brighton and Hove Albion how are they getting on in the Europa League yeah they've been a bit disappointing Shane um, you know, we've come to probably expect really big things from the Zerby's side but it was AEK who had the best chance of the game through uh, Zuber who's the Swiss international hit the post came back out one of the wingers came off his head and just went over the bar but in general play probably been slightly off of Brighton um, expect to see a lot more of them in the second half and hopefully I mean we're all sort of claws of Brighton fans aren't we at the moment with Evan oh, yeah. it'd be great to see him build on the goal from the weekend and try to get himself into the game a bit more Okay, good stuff. We're going to take a break, hopefully, and we're going to be back chatting more football with Paul Curry. Game on on 2FM. Now that sounded a bit better. We had a nice little game on welcoming us back. The Gremlins are gone for now. Paul Curry is still here, though. Gremlin free. We're chatting football. It is nil all between AK Athens and Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, at the moment, of course, keeping Ryan Evan Ferguson and young Lee Kavanagh. Uh, on the bench as well speaking of Irish interest in uh, Europe this evening Paul Curry it is going to be a huge couple of weeks for Cuivine Kelleher and Liverpool Alisson now injured and he's set to play five matches five matches in a fortnight yeah that's brilliant isn't it it is but it's mad five, but it's like, maybe this is always happening now. I'm only kind of paying attention to it now that Cuevin Keller isn't included <laughs> in it but. well he has been playing you know the Europa League games and I think that was probably one good thing for Cuevin of, of Liverpool not qualifying for the Champions League was that there was going to be opportunities but it's very hard to displace Alisson at any stage throughout the season unless he's going to be suspended or injured so these are the opportunities that we wait and see how he gets on it's, it's probably difficult stepping into that starting 11 haven't played so little football so he's mm. going to have to be really have or have his wits about him um, a lot is always asked from Liverpool keeper when you look at how they play and you, you think back to the Man City game Alisson looked 
fairly susceptible with the ball at his mm. feet. Quivian is very good with the ball at his feet. Sometimes I question his shot stopping or just his presence in around the six yard box. So I hope I hope it goes well from he's waited so patiently for this. A lot of people have questioned his decision to stay at Liverpool. So I just hope that this sort of indicates that decision. And um, I think tonight he'll be fine. It's the Premier League games when they step into it that the eyes are really going to be on him. Um, the fixtures aren't too bad. They play Fulham at home, Sheffield United away, Palace away. And then on the 17th of the 12th, whether Alisson is back or not, Manchester United at home. Oof. Actually, that's a handy one. That's a, <laughs> that's a handy one. Is, is there any world where Cueving Keller performs so well that he is Liverpool no. number one? Okay. That's no. <laughs> I suspected that might be the answer. I suspected that might be the answer. Um, well, who knows where, whether or not he will be lining out against Manchester United, um, who were in an entertaining match last night. Um, what was your primary reaction to what you witnessed yeah, like they, they played well in spells last night I think the frustrating thing from a Manchester United fans point of view particularly in the Champions League is the amount of goals that they're conceding and they worked so hard for the Garnacho strike was brilliant the Fernandez strike even better and then you look at the two goals that they conceded from the free kicks I mean first and foremost I think you can really point the finger at Bruno Fernandez like he did so well in the final third last night creating chances and scoring goals but the first one is lazy defending to bring down it was Ziyech and then the second one again it was like a carving copy of, of what had happened earlier on in in the game whereby he pulls somebody down again you're just giving Galatasaray an excuse to put the ball in the box mm. now you can talk about giving away fouls and the soft and sloppy defending but you just can't excuse the goalkeeping I mean Onana and if you think of the money that they've spent on him um, Is it fair to point all the fingers at, at him considering think, that Fernandez gave away the free kick Pellistri's miss at the end like, yeah, you you can you can certainly point the finger at Bruno for giving the, you know the the free kicks away. But I think when you look at the incident, as an isolated incident, he has to do better. I mean, it it looks like something you see down on a five side pitch. Like yeah. the ball on both occasions weren't coming in at any major speed. He had a good look at them. You know, sometimes when from free kicks when they're in wide areas or central areas, and somebody gets a run across the goalkeeper. This wasn't the case. Like he was able to see the ball from long out. And the fumble for on both occasions just unforgivable. And you have to question Onana as as a replacement to David De Gea and the money that they've spent on him to bring him into into that side. And listen, a lot was spoken about what he can do with his feet. I'm actually not convinced about him with his feet. I haven't seen major evidence of him, you know, being as comfortable as say like an Ederson at Manchester City. Yeah. I, I just don't see the similarities. He was unbelievable in the Champions League final last year. And he looks a shadow of that player right now. And I think, you know, Manchester United's back four was actually quite decent last night. I'd say they're, they're quickly questioning Onana and maybe losing a bit of confidence in him. But the result as a whole was very disappointing to be 3-1 up and then get pegged back again. Um, major question marks about the side. And actually, just to finish on, I thought the, the substitutions that he made were, were quite poor. I think Martial for Hoyland was a poor decision. And I also thought Mainu, who is going to be a brilliant player, mm. but to bring him on after 60 minutes for Amrabat, who was at the speed of the game, um, protecting that back four, I thought that was also a poor decision. Did, did he not deserve his chance, though, considering his performance at the weekend? I think it's very different, Shane, when you're playing in the middle of the park to start a game than it is to come on in a game. Mm. Um, and particularly when you think of what was at stake for Manchester United last night, 
to get up to the tempo of a game and understand the, the runs that players are making, the shielding that your centre-halves might need, the ability to maybe pick out a pass, that's an awful lot to ask of somebody who's, who's only played a handful of minutes in a Manchester United senior team. I'm not Amrabat's biggest fan, but I just thought, given the fact that they were 3-1 up, they were cruising, just leave them in there, see out the game, and then maybe come the weekend when Minus had a bit of a chance to... To, to rest up given the fact that he's not played for a long period of time maybe you start him again but I thought the decisions and the substitutions were poor but it's gone back to individual errors again Onana has been at fault far too many times and you have to question the recruitment again at Manchester United Yeah since 2018-19 he has made the most errors leading to opposition goals by goalkeepers in the Champions League with seven costly mistakes so not good times uh, for Onana and Manchester United I think, the, I think the that's them out of that group I don't think they'll qualify. They, they have to basically, isn't it? They beat Bayern Munich and Galatasaray and Copenhagen have to draw. And they're playing a Bayern Munich side who are already through, so they could rest a few bodies, but I just don't have any confidence in, yeah. in them getting the job done. Worrying times for Manchester United. Uh, not so for Arsenal. They had a big win, a really, really good first half performance. But talk to me about Jude Bellingham because he just continues <sighs> to take people's breath away. Can he, can, can he keep it up for the season? I think he can on, on what we've seen so far um, I, I don't see any reason why I mean it's it's astonishing to think that at 20 years of age he's just gone in to Real Madrid which is such a huge club and become the number one man straight away mm. it doesn't seem phased by it in any way shape or form his contributions towards goals is something that's really surprised me you maybe don't see a huge amount of him when he's playing out in Borussia Dortmund because we don't see a huge amount of that that league but the eyes are certainly on him at Real Madrid and the goals return that he has had he's already got 11 in 12 games that's astonishing for a centre midfield player and the combinations that he has with, with Rodrigo Vinicius Jr. didn't play last night but those three when they go forward are absolutely superb and they just have kind of free licence to go and create and um, it's it's working really well for them I still think Real Madrid as a, as a side chain are probably a centre-forward short of going deep into the Champions League or going on and winning it. If you look last night, uh, they brought on Hosselu and the poor fella had so many chances and he just looks a little bit, not out of his depth, but it looks like a bit bit much of a stretch to play at that top end of the Champions League and that's maybe one question mark I have around that side. But Bellingham is superb. The, the trio of Bellingham, Rodrigo and Vinicius is something that is very exciting to watch. Absolutely. Um, closer to home then, Daniel McDonald in the Irish Independent had a story um, that basically uh, stated American interest in backing uh, the formation of an ambitious All-Ireland League with a working title of Premier League Ireland was rejected uh, by the FAI. Now, there's a lot kind of in this now and we don't have that much time, but competing clubs would share a minimum guarantee pot of £10 million per year for seven years with the backers confident that projected payments would be higher once the venture got off the ground. Uh, their ambitious pl- pitch claimed they would generate 500 million euro in income across eight years with the uh, total amount of 70 million euro guaranteed to competing clubs presented as a worst case scenario. They were projecting a 119 million dividend if if all went to plan. Now, I know there's been some criticism here that the FBI have backed away from the talks and now Dan McDonald does state there is a non-disclosure agreement kind of in place as well. So, But I mean, I tweeted yesterday of a pie in the sky. Perhaps I was being a bit um, negative. Like, they're big numbers and it just seems very unrealistic. Yeah, they, they do. They seem very lofty and very ambitious. I don't think we should be dismissive of ideas coming into the league and I think, you know, the FAI should support anybody who does come up with ideas because they don't have the finances to back it. At the same time, um, you know, from where we are today to what they are projecting seems mm. 
a bit kind of out of reach. The I guess the hunger is definitely there for the domestic game. Like the attendances are up twenty percent from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three. We had forty three thousand at the FAI Cup final. But are we at a stage whereby we can see that being consistent, you know, massive attendances, massive revenues coming into the game? I don't think so. Yes, it's it's um a dream for a lot of people to get to that stage, but to do it in sh- such a short space of time like they've projected within their plan, that to me seems a, a little unambitious. But I do think we need to we need to try to get finances into the game. The FAA aren't going to be able to take us and they're not able to actually keep up with the development of some of these squads. We need better facilities um, for a lot of the clubs. We need to somehow drip feed monies into the game, but that one seems a little out of touching. Yeah, led by Kieran Foley, who was uh, employed by Digicel and he was involved in the Caribbean Cricket League, which was a success to be fair, but there's also Kieran Foley that was involved with Niall Quinn, Roy Barrett and a few others in the uh, Football in Ireland visionary uh, group members back in 2019 which again really didn't amount to much like we probably do need to try something at some stage would you agree in that yeah in the well, sense that I, I don't think the organic growth is going to get so big that we're going to be able to increase the attendances build new stadiums purely by relying on the clubs no and I, I think that is the big thing we need investment be it private or public investment into, into stadiums across Europe there's a penalty in Greece at the moment and it is to Brighton and they have gone one up. Joe Pedro has scored 55 minutes left, uh, 1-0 there. Evan Ferguson playing Lee Cavanagh on the bench. Uh, we will continue uh, the discussion about League of Ireland development um, and hopefully we do have infrastructure in place to continue the growth because there is a very special product there and there'll be a wider industry growth as well if we do buy into it. Um, Paul Curry, thank you very much uh, for popping into studio. Um, Better De Silva is up next the brilliant better to service do stay tuned to 2FM uh, we'll be back tomorrow with an extended <coughs> excuse me game on with Ireland Hungry before we go just to uh, congratulations to Holly Farrell from Kilkenny who wins two tickets to Saturday's underdogs game against Galway United after correctly texting that Evan Ferguson plays for Brighton and Hove Albion big thanks to Ronan Lauder Laura Lee Davis from all of the game on team it is bye for now